We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 14 more yards than Rudolph. I'm taking Rudolph plus nine and a half here. I think the game script favors them a little bit better. Mayfield has been terrible this season. They're probably going to run the ball heavily. And this Pittsburgh defense is good versus the pass. Rudolph may just dink and dunk the entire game here, but it doesn't matter to me. They're a little bit of an underdog here. He has a better matchup in terms of defense. So I'm taking Rudolph plus nine and a half for passing yards. Beckham over under 1.5 receptions, more than Juju. I'm taking Beckham here. While Beckham has not been consistent in terms of targets throughout the season, Vegas currently hasn't pegged for 4.5, along with Juju, but heavy, heavy juice on the over for Beckham. Heavy, heavy juice on the under, around 150 on both sides here, with a massive edge to Beckham here. I think that he gets one to two more receptions than Juju. I think that he's the better play here. Last up, Johnson versus McDonald reception yards. Vegas currently has Johnson pegged for 20 more reception yards than McDonald. Granted, these guys are very volatile in terms of how many yards they're going to get. Either one of them go off for a big play, but I think Johnson's the more likely guy to get 11 more yards than McDonald here, so I'm rolling with Johnson. All right, next up, we have my third prop. It's a two out of three over-under in the Thursday Night Football game. All right, so R.A. went through Chubb, everything with him, taking the under. R.A. went through Rudolph, everything with him. I'm taking the over. Again, their median outcomes are probably going to get them the under for Chubb and the over for Rudolph, so it's pretty easy there. Next one, Baker Mayfield over under 16.5 points. That's a little bit tough here. I'm taking the under. Well, I haven't pegged for close to that number. I think the maximum amount of variance and how bad he can be is probably going to get in the under. He's only pegged for 244 passing yards. And even if he gets two touchdowns at that number, he will still not end up hitting his over with this number. So I think more likely than not, he's going to end up with around one passing touchdown. So he'd have to go for well over 300 yards in order to get this. So I don't think that it happens here. Plus, he'd have to be turnover free. So I think you take the under here. It's real simple. I think it hits 70% of the time. All right, guys. Last up, we have my last prop of the night. Before we get to that, don't forget to like and subscribe over on the YouTube channel. Let you know exactly when these videos come out so you can get them in and you can get some money here. And leave any of your favorite props or any comments you have in the comments section. But let's get to my last prop of the night. It's a two out of three rapid fire for the Cleveland game. All right, so this one based on fantasy points. First off, Rudolph versus Chubb here. Again, unless Chubb gets a touchdown, Rudolph's going to take this, I think. Getting three and a half points. I have him projected for around one less point than Chubb here. And there's a whole lot less variance when you have a massive amount of passing yards that can get him there, plus passing touchdowns. Rushing touchdowns are a little bit more volatile. So I'm taking Rudolph over Chubb, especially with Hunt coming into that offense. Granted, they're both going to be on the field at the same time, a significant amount. 
I'm taking Chubb here. Next up, Beckham versus Mayfield. If Mayfield has a big game, Beckham probably has a big game. He's getting two and a half points. It's a full point PPR site, so I think that I have a lean towards Beckham here. If Mayfield goes for two touchdowns, that's where he ends up being Beckham. The chances are Beckham's going to end up getting one of those touchdowns. So I really like Beckham here getting two and a half points with a large amount of ball. He's going to get last up Juju versus Samuels here. Connor's coming back in the offense. Samuels will still be involved, but I think Juju's going to get a significant volume of targets. He's going to be the main guy in this offense here. I think Juju ends up outdoing Samuels. I don't know how much he's going to be in the game during this game with Connor, but getting back, but I don't think he has a whole lot of touchdown record. Yes, this is a full point PBR. Yes, Samuels could get a decent volume, but Juju should end up with around 40 more yards than him, 45 more yards than him, and probably a few more receptions. So I'm taking Juju in this one. All right, guys, thanks for watching. We'll be back again next week with some more props for you. To you. Good luck on your, all your props tonight. I'm out of here. See you, kids. Hey, thanks for checking out our videos. If you want more expert advice on DraftKings, FanDuel, or any other daily fantasy sports, make sure you check out the current videos playlist. Bienvenidos, amigos. A la. No, I'm going to bail on this Spanish. Even though I'm a Spanish minor, I have to take this home in English. This is the week 11 bankroll challenge. We, for better or worse, are a little more sober today. And we are joined right now by a very special guest. He's a man, you know, behind the curtain at RG. He's the product manager. You might also know him from his conviction plays. He gave you Darius Slayton last week. He told you to fade David Montgomery last week. And he also earlier this season took second place in the luxury box for more zeros than my brain can even comprehend. Eric Beinfor, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Uh, so I was excited about coming on here. And then you had Leone on last week. And you guys got so smashed that I wasn't sure exactly how to follow that up. You know, and I'm out there making fun of, of Leone posting pictures of him, you know, hammer dropping F bombs or whatever. And I'm like, okay, now what, you know, what's he going to do to me? Or what am I going to do, you know, to screw it up or follow, follow that up? Well, you got you got the dogs. And did I see, I saw you take a pull from a sip. It vaguely looked like a white claw to me. Is it, is it, you have no, no, it's a, it's a monster. Coffee in the morning, monster in the afternoon. I'm too old to drink on Thursday afternoons, Pete. 
I know. I know. That was, uh, as I said to people, that was fun, but not a sustainable show format. So if you are <laughs> tuning in to watch us get hammered, you are going to be sorely disappointed, but you won't be disappointed because we are going to get on the straight and narrow. As you guys know, when I tab over to my bankroll challenge here, it is, um, it's like that little graph emoji that people post and it just keeps going down and going down. Eric, I have two more weeks until this bankroll is depleted. Do you think you can get me on the straight and narrow this week? Of course. Yeah. As long as we're not playing David Montgomery and Christian Kirk and Marlon Mack and all the play the best plays guys, maybe we'll actually make a little money. Yeah. If you guys have been tracking the evolution of my process and boy, has it been an evolution, nothing static (laughs) about my process. We have gone from playing contrarian stacks. We have then gone to making galaxy brain lineup late swaps that I get crushed for. Then we swung back and we played the best plays. Then we got drunk and made two different kind of lineups that fit both of those criteria. I have been all over the map. And this week, I am literally all over the map because I'm going to Mexico. And my process, though, is going to be anchored, Eric. You are going to anchor me back. We're going to get back to playing the best of the best plays and also the galaxy brain contrarian plays we need to win a tournament. But I do want to, you were talking to me a little bit before the show just kind of about your focus in tournament selection. And I think this show is a good fit for you because you were telling me that you like to focus on these small field tournaments as well. Yeah, you got to give me one sec with these with these dogs. The mailman is here right now, and they are losing their minds. Let me get them out of the uh, out of the screen really, really I, uh, quick. If, you can go uh, if there's one thing I can do, it is vamp uh, while I wait for you. Shout out to the chats today. We got the Grinders live chat going, although they're a little more in the NBA streets. It seems like right now you guys need to get your mind focused on Sunday. Forget about tonight. We're going to talk about football right now. We got the YouTube chat going. Um, One thing I do want to mention, too, before I forget, Lineup HQ is free this weekend. Also, there is a free roll uh, on Yahoo. We will get that link in the chat eventually. If not, we'll post it in the comments after the show. But there's going to be $2,500 in free prizes. They ran it for NBA uh, last week. And in conjunction with that, you can try your hand out at max multi-entering. This is the big taboo. Every small stakes player always says, man, if I could max enter, I would ship this. Well, now is your chance to put your money, actually put your free money where your mouth is, head into lineup HQ. You can make up some of your build rules. You can build out your player groups, your stacks, and then you can build as many lineups as you'd like and then export them into a Yahoo free roll see if you have what it takes to then do it with real money. So Eric, you're going to hop in those free rolls. You got, you get it on that plus EV stuff, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm the worst MME player of all time though. I tried it. Like when I was trying to figure out my DFS game, it's funny you say the, like everybody says, Oh, if I had 150 lineups, I could win too. I try, I tried it and I can't, I, I lose every week that I try to play a bunch of teams. I can only play a few teams. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll dabble in some of that, but people say like it's easy and it's hard. Yeah, imagine my process is a plastic bag floating in the wind right now. It playing single entry. Imagine it if I was trying to <laughs> MME every week. I mean, talk yeah. about uh, a shit show. So yeah. I did want to talk. Oh, it was right before you got up. You were going to tell me about the kind of contests and game selection you like to focus on. Yeah, so we were talking a little bit before the show, and I was excited for this show because you focus, you know, kind of on single entry and a little bit smaller field type stuff, and that's really exactly my focus. So um, I I think that there's really kind of two kinds of DFS players that you should like two paths that you should ultimately try to take and figure out which one is for you. And anybody that's doing in the middle is probably kind of cutting off their nose to spite their face. So. When, like I talked about that I tried to, to MME for a little bit when I was trying to figure things out and I'm horrible at it. And then I figured out that if I just play a, you know, a small collection of teams, one to five, and focus just on, just on those and getting them in essentially the smallest fields that I can at the highest stakes that I can. So I'm putting my money behind you know, just those teams that I feel absolutely strongest about and I'm competing against way less people. 
because I'm not good at making 150 teams and setting exposures and, and all of that. That's just not how I'm, you know, wired to play. So I really focus on those small fields um, with whatever your, you know, whatever your bankroll is, $1, $2, $5, getting into the smallest fields at the highest stakes that, you know, you feel comfortable in. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the biggest kind of mind, you know, bend I'm finding myself in right now, uh, you know, we've had fun with the bit, the galaxy brain plays, the play, the best plays. Obviously, I think we all know that the best lineups feature an equilibrium of those things. You can't win with all chalk play the best plays and you can't win with all galaxy brain plays either. So when you are, you know, how tight is your concentrated player pool each week and how much are you thinking about ownership heading into uh, submitting those lineups? So ideally I want it to be really, really tight. I think my best weeks are actually when I, so I typically try to play three tournament teams um, I play mostly on DraftKings and I'll try to play three tournament teams and my best weeks are they're three stacks of the same game. Mm. Um, so whether that's changing the quarterbacks, you know, so we can use the Saints game this week as an example, say that's, you know, ultimately my far and away favorite game. I would love to play three stacks of that game and get slightly different variations of the pieces of that game and then fit my favorite plays, you know, whether it's my favorite running backs around it or my favorite tight end or whatever, that works around around that. I've found that my worst weeks are when I spread myself too thin. Um, even if I want to play a, a few more teams, when I start trying to put more stacks out there and get more running backs in my pool, that's when I'm way, way, way worse. And you mentioned that, so I assume like one of the scenarios you were describing, so I, you, you play the, uh, the power sweep 150, three mm-hmm. max. So, mm-hmm. and you mentioned you often play three stacks from the same game. Do you ever, cause sometimes I think about that or I'll think about, well, what if I have a core of like a running back and defense I like, and maybe say another running back wide receiver and then mix in different stacks around that. Do you ever do it that mm-hmm. way? Or does it always start with the stacks? Yeah, I think you can definitely do it that way. I think basically it's, you know, we're saying the same thing, but slightly different, right? Like we want a core, a really, really tight core, whether that core is, you know, like this week, say I want Jameis to Godwin with Thomas or whatever, um, or the core is (laughs) David Montgomery and uh, Ronald Jones and Bears defense. And then I rotate some stacks in around that. Either way, I think you should – um, if you're, you know, if you're not MME and if you're playing a small collection of teams, I think you should really focus, at least that's what's been successful for me is really focus a tight core of those three, four, five plays, and then mix in your other favorite plays, um, around them because you don't have to be perfect in these, these types of contests, you know, three max, smaller fields, single entry, um, you know, especially at higher stakes, you're, you're competing against 200 people, 300 mm-hmm. people. You don't have to be. You don't have to be perfect. You know, my best team this year had Mar- Marlon Mack scored three points. Um, I didn't have to be perfect, but I mixed and matched enough around my favorite game that I, I hit the nuts around it. Yeah. It, so, so you mentioned maybe identifying that core or your stack. At what point are you taking a peek at ownership to be like, okay, I like this game, I like the stack, but holy cow, it's DeAndre Watson and uh, or DeAndre Watson and New Hopkins, and they're both going to be thirty percent owned. Can I run this out three times? Like, at what point does ownership factor into your decisions? I think ownership factors in more kind of at the overall lineup level for me. So if 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 uh, Watson and, and Nuke are 100% mod, like I'm all in, I, I see no way that they fail. They have the highest upside, whatever. Maybe that's Breeze and Thomas this week. I don't know that it is, but maybe it's Breeze and Thomas this week. And I see no way that they failed. They're my favorite um, stack. Even if they're chalky, I'm okay with that. But then I start looking at the rest of my lineup and I can't be playing the, the so maybe I, maybe I don't want to play David Montgomery last week with that stack, right? So if I was if I was playing Christian Kirk with Kyler and Godwin last week and whoever, I probably shouldn't be playing David Montgomery in that lineup or some similar situation to that. I care about it more at the overall lineup level. Um, so it's a really you know it's this really weird kind of feeling out process of every of every lineup where I'm not afraid to to stack chalky stacks and I'm not afraid to play chalky one-offs, but the overall lineup, you know, if I have, 
which I continue to, to, to play. If I, if I have Robbie Anderson in that lineup. Yeah. <laughs> Support group t- right here. Robbie yeah. Anderson, the Martingale Robbie Anderson system <laughs> each week, just keep running them out there. And I see him again this week under 5k and I, I need to just exclude him. But uh, yeah, if I'm playing, you know, Robbie Anderson or I, I keep going back Robbie and, and jet stacks, I'm, I'm stacking jets games. I've done that the last few weeks. I, I don't, I can play David Montgomery in that team. David Montgomery is a whole nother issue. We'll talk, probably talk about later, but no, actually uh, let's talk about him now because the chat yeah. is talking about Montgomery. It was a hot topic all of last <laughs> week. Uh, the show with Leone, we obviously were laughing about all of the different conviction plays and, and uh, stickers in lineup HQ. You guys can see these here for like Christian McCaffrey. If you missed the show last week, it was just every possible colored circle. <laughs> But I, I, I don't know if I already showed this to the chat. You actually uh, didn't want to get lumped in. And this is, of course, before uh, Sunday with David Montgomery as a conviction play. So maybe just talk us through why you were maybe going against the herd there. And based on how you wrote this tweet, it seemed like you were pretty off of him, at least at this point. Yeah, so... Uh... Things definitely changed throughout throughout the week that made, in my opinion, Montgomery a little bit stronger chalk. But um, I think you talked about it a little bit pre-show where these running backs that are not game scare proof, um, you know, they're really fragile, fragile plays. They can obviously smash a good comp this week is Josh Jacobs, right? So awesome spot, you know, huge, huge favorite should just get 30 touches and should, you know, just dominate the Bengals. Montgomery was in a similar situation last week, but a it's possible for any play to just fail period. You could just suck, right? You could have 15 carries for 30 yards and catch two balls for 10 yards. It's, it's just possible. There's a ton of variance in an NFL game, but B if anything goes unexpected in a game with a guy like David Montgomery, there's just so many paths to failure that way more paths to failure than the ownership dictates. So those are the kind of guys that I don't really want to be with the field on because, you know, if 50% of people are playing them, is it really a 50% chance that he's one of the best running back plays of the week? Probably, probably not. Um, and I would argue last week that the lions, you know, once Stafford went out, I got on to David Montgomery too. So <laughs> I'm ashamed of that, but the lions are not even like a, the Bengals are a much better matchup as an example compared to David Montgomery. So there were more reasons to be weary of David Montgomery than the field was giving credit for, which is a perfect leverage opportunity for you to just stay away from him and get one of these other great running back plays. Yeah, that's, that's the thing too. I, it, it does. One of the things that's been tripping me up with some of these guys that do have, say, limited pass work uh, chops, but find themselves in these great on paper matchups is getting fooled by even a little bit more receiving work than usual. Like we've seen a few spots this year where Sony Michelle, okay, he's getting three or four targets. Marlon Max getting three or four targets. Then I find myself talking myself into it. I have gridiron IQ up right now. I'm looking at Josh Jacobs last week. He had five targets. If you tell me he's going to get 20 carries in five targets, he's almost impossible not to play. But how noisy do you think those target shares are for some of these players that haven't historically had high targets? Yeah, I think they're really noisy. I try to view DFS a lot. People really get focused in on like the week to week box scores, really trying to, you know, we have an entire week to analyze all these situations. So I understand it. But, you know, people they see, oh, 20-something carries and five targets. Oh, Jacobs is a workhorse now. But if you really take a step back, like his nothing has changed about the Raiders. Jacobs has always been the lead guy. They have always used other backs. They're using three backs, actually, you know, and Jalen Richard uh, heavily in the pass game. He's going to get his touches. Jacobs is a little stronger, I think, because they – uh, you know, show a willingness even when they're getting destroyed to still run the ball. They don't really care. The Packers beat them by 20 and they still kept running. But if you just take a step back and think about who, what Josh Jacobs' actual role is on the team, yeah, you can see targets kind of coming and going week by week, but nothing has actually changed. It's just noise in the exact amount of targets, right? Whether it's one, two, or five or six. Yeah, Carr's a check down artist. So if nothing is available to him, Jacobs might get a couple more that week. 
but most weeks, you know, he's not the pass game guy. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's start to take this um, to kind of a single entry perspective, put yourself in my shoes, minus all of the emotional baggage and history of being (laughs) awful at DFS. And you are approaching this week. And what, like, how do you narrow down what is the, t- the the stack or the core I'm going to play in my single entry? Are you gravitating toward the highest total game? Are you trying to find an under the radar stack to start with? Like, where do you even start? Because, you know, every week I get my spreadsheet going. And of course, there's a few games I like, there's a few stacks I like. And then I'm always like, that's where my mind really starts to overheat and malfunction is when I'm like, okay, now which, which of these directions do I go? How do I put the pieces together? I realize I just asked you, how do you play DFS? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my process typically starts with just going kind of through each game, kind of like you talked about, but going through each game and identifying kind of how I think the game's going to play out. Um, in terms of, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses of each of each team and how do I think each team is going to attack the other one? Not necessarily how, they sh- how should they, right? Dallas should probably stop running Zeke up the middle, but we know that they're going to keep doing it. Uh, but I, I want to go through kind of each game and see, you know, where are the back and forth spots? Um, and this week there really aren't, there really aren't very, very many. Um, where kind of strengths and weaknesses align, your strengths for an offense and weaknesses for a defense align. Um, the Saints game definitely jumps out, uh, especially with Marshawn Lattimore hurt. Uh, I'm a really big proponent of the Saints defense when he's in there. But if they're going to have really weak corners against elite wide receivers like Evans and, and Godwin, and, and the Bucks are trotting out like XFL dudes in the secondary um, that's like the first game that kind of jumped out to me where both run defenses are strong um, and both pass defenses are really weak with elite weapons on each side. And uh, uh, so that was kind of, that's kind of how I go about it is trying to find, find those, those types of spots, you know, the funnel, if you will, I guess I I do believe in, in that kind of thing, not necessarily like funnel, but I believe that teams are better against certain things and worse against certain things. Yeah, well, one, say, like, interesting situation that can kind of help us talk about game theory through a specific example would be this Evans in Godwin situation (laughs) where they are priced very similarly. Most weeks, you're normally not going to see more than a couple hundred dollar difference in their salaries. The matchups are generally the same because they're going against the, the same defense. And yet we haven't seen them be positive correlated with each other. I mean, how many weeks could you have rolled out Jameis with the double stack? I know you're a Godwin guy at heart, but maybe um, remove any potential biases here. And how do you, are you factoring in, like, what is the variable? Is it just an ownership play at that point? Or how are you getting in the weeds? And we can talk about guys like Galladay and Marvin Jones too, or a Thielen and Diggs. How do you approach these situations? So I am definitely one that likes to get a little bit in the weeds with like specific matchup type stuff. Sometimes that's, that's, that works out really well. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but um, uh, I, I do kind of believe in, uh, you know, not necessarily the wide receiver cornerback matchups, but just that against a certain defense, there's, there's things that teams defend better. And Evans is a really like specific kind of archetype wide receiver where, you know, he's not Odell Beckham at the line of scrimmage, you know, getting wide open on a slant and taking in 90 yards. He's, you know, a big long stride vertical guy that Jameis just throws the ball 40 yards down the field to um so if he has you know a really elite corner covering him it can be a little bit tougher for for him because he's not this like full route tree kind of wide receiver whereas godwin you know the much better wide receiver uh is kind of this full route tree guy plus you know he's playing inside a lot so you get a lot more opportunities for you know it's say james is pressured or um you know they're, they fall behind, which can happen very easily for the Bucks. They fall behind. You get Godwin working over the middle, you know, as teams are playing kind of prevent style defenses. So a lot, I do factor a lot of that kind of stuff in. Like you said, I'm 100% biased because I think Godwin is better and that's my guy. And it was amazing for the first month of the season watching him dominate and Evans suck. And it's been not so profitable since. But um, I, I do like to get a little bit in the weeds there this week. I think it's more of an ownership thing going back to what you said without Lattimore, 
if people are going to gravitate towards towards Godwin this week, I do think Evans can 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 feast. So I, that's one scenario where I do think um, I lean a little bit more on the ownership. Yeah, and right now it looks like um, we don't have either of those guys too highly owned. Uh, Mike Evans coming in at 11%, Godwin coming in at 10%. Um, when they're down in that price you can or ownership, you can just pick the guy you like the best. Right. I also think this, and you talked about them being kind of inversely correlated. I think this might be the first week where I'd be willing to play both of them uh, in a lineup together. I haven't done it once yet this year. I've kind of picked and picked and choose like you brought up, but just with, you know, how the game kind of sets up, I think it's, it's really positive for both passing games. Um, I love OJ Howard too. And that was really nice, nice last week to get him finally off the schneid, but I don't think this is the OJ Howard spot. And I think everything's going to funnel through Evans and Godwin. And I don't think Breeze is going to have any trouble scoring on the Bucks. So I, I think you could see, you know, double digit targets for, for both of them. And as long as Jameis doesn't pull a Jameis, both, both, both can be, you know, very successful this week. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about kind of specifics with stacking. Um, obviously all different kinds that you can do as far as a double stack, a skinny stack. Are we bringing it back? Um, I think one example that we could use for this week that I think is kind of interesting is heading over to this Falcons uh, Carolina game because the, uh, the Panthers have a lot of interesting stack options. Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson, and DJ Moore are all relatively affordable. Christian McCaffrey, of course, super expensive at 10-5. When you are looking at a pass game and then obviously the best running back in football, all in great spots and you're thinking about stacking, and you can make a case for every single one of these pieces, yet knowing, hey, I'm not going to roll out Kyle Allen with four Panthers skill position players. How do you go about narrowing that? Um, Is it just price? Is it ownership? And what kind of correlations are you looking for in in those stacks? Yeah, it's, it's definitely starts to come down to roster construction in that. And in, in that point where I, you know, everybody would love to jam, jam Christian McCaffrey, but you know, the pricing on DraftKings has gotten a lot tighter. And so um, if Christian McCaffrey is a still going to be popular and B going to really hurt the rest of my lineup, but I really like the spot for the Panthers. That's a spot where I look to pivot to a Kyle Allen and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And then you can bring it back with Julio or, or Ridley or in the, the obviously Brian Hill, you know, the, the chalk of the week. Um, I start to really think about how to maximize the upside of my entire lineup. If that's the game stack that I, you know, really like. And one thing I really did want to want to bring up talking about stacking. Um, we did kind of a study. So I have a, a data analyst that I work with here at, at RG and Brennan Ruby. I wanted to give him a shout out cause he's, the absolute man. Um, he kind of is the the engine behind a ton of these different like stacking uh, research articles that we've done and, and slate IQ and a bunch of cool stuff we do kind of studying what uh, DFS players are doing and what, you know, what the field is doing versus what winning lineups are doing. We did some really cool stacking analysis at the beginning of the year. And like the, the, the big thing people talk about is all oh, you have to stack. And that, that is true in my opinion, but everybody is pretty much stacking now. It's like, somewhere around 80% of the field is some sort of stack like quarterback to a wide receiver, but you brought up, you know, like this specific game in game stacks is where you can actually really get your leverage because people are still really kind of slaves to median projections. And so they may love the uh, Kyle Allen to DJ Moore stack, but not many people are playing Kyle Allen to DJ Moore to Curtis Samuel, and then bringing it back with, with Julio. Um, so that's really where you can get get your leverage, and that's where the top lineups more frequently have game stacks compared to the field. So I think that's one big thing when I was talking about roster construction that I focus on that aspect where I want to correlate my lineup that way, where I really only have to be right like what once or twice. Um, you know, I want to be right about that game shooting out, and I want to be right about it being through the air. Yeah, and if I do that you know, I'm right twice. Everybody else is trying to be right eight times. Right. So in that specific example, and I guess we can get your take here about Brian Hill being good chalk or bad chalk. 
I mean, are you hesitant to run out a Kyle Allen to Panthers with Brian Hill on the bring back? Do you think that's going to be too chalky and you'd prefer to go to a, a pass catcher? How do you think about those bring backs? Um, I think you can definitely use running backs in your bring backs. I would probably like to use Brian in, in a case like Brian Hill, where we know he's going to be, you know, this week's David Montgomery. Um, I like Brian Hill a lot better than, than David Montgomery, but uh, I think I would like to add on one more Falcons player in that case, because any other stack of that game is probably going to have Brian Hill, but are they going to have Brian Hill and Julio or Brian Hill and, and Ridley? Probably not. Um, so, you know, and, and in that scenario, you're just hoping for a 45, 40 game. Right. Um, right. So, so I, I, I think that um, we talked about a little bit pre-show where, where you get into these single entry and these smaller fields you can gain so much leverage by creating a lineup like that. Like it feels really uncomfortable in like a single entry lineup, right? This is my one tournament lineup and I'm playing five guys from one yeah. game. It, people don't, it's not how people feel comfortable making teams, but that's good for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have people giving me a hard time in the chat uh, about my skinny stacks here? Do you have a, a certain type of stack that you like to do? Um, especially with the context of like, you know, there haven't been too many weeks where, you know, the Galladay and, and Marvin Jones are both hitting in tandem. I guess, like, I keep going back to that uh, Panthers example because I do like all of those pass catchers, mm-hmm. and I can't – I don't know where to start with, okay, do I do more with Olsen? Do I Olsen with Samuel? Do I do both of the receivers? How do you think about those pairings, or is that you just drilling down into the matchups? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I think if I had, you know, if we set aside all teams and, and specific players, if I had like my dream way to construct a lineup, it would be like a quarterback with two of his pass catchers being a wide receiver or a tight end. And then, um, two pass catchers from the opponent, a wide receiver and filling my wide receiver and tight end spots, and then being able to use my running back spots on like three workhorse running backs that would be like just the total, the total dream, you know, you get three workhorse every down running backs that catch passes and you use those guys and your running backs in flex. And then you get a game stack with all those pass catchers where you're assuming that it shoots out and you're you know, getting a ton of PPR value and obviously points scored in that game. That would be like the dream. It obviously yeah. doesn't play out like that uh, yeah. all that often, but I think that's like, I kind of go in week by week thinking about it like that. Like that I want to construct my teams kind of like that. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and you definitely have to make some sacrifices. It's like, we all love playing Lamar Jackson, but if you're playing Lamar and then it's like, well, you're not going to be able to get in, you know, a Dalvin cook and Christian McCaffrey and a, a Mike Evans or what, you know, like at, at some point we have to take some value, but it does seem just overall that, you know, taking the discount at wide receiver as opposed to running back is, is really how to do it. Although we now that we're later in the season, we're seeing more attrition with these running back injuries that we are getting some good running back chalk, you know, Jalen Samuels a couple weeks ago at 4,000 great chalk. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of with you. I'm starting to feel like Brian Hill, you know, we look at his, he only had um, two targets last week, but he wasn't seeding workloads uh, to anyone else. And they were, um, they were in a positive game script, weren't they for most of that game? Yeah, they beat the shit out of the Saints. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Real quick, so Stan Lewandowski in the chat, he's had a few things. He said, I have to turn it around this week. And then he says, how's your self-esteem right now? Worried about you. So, um, Eric, I am going to address this. Uh, Stan, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, I'm doing doing good. Uh, I don't know, Stan, if you're familiar with boxing, but they often talk about a fighter having a good chin right? Being able to absorb a punch. I have a strong DFS chin, Stan. I have taken it repeatedly week after week after week. And yet I get up, Stan, and I get in these streets and I bring on smart guests like Eric and I'm looking at all of the important information and I'm ready to get after it. Okay. So to answer your question, Stan, morale is high. It is high. My chin is in great shape. So thank you, Stan. Um, Eric, now that I went on that rant, um, 
let's, how about we build a lineup here on DraftKings.com. As you guys know, last week I played the best plays at FanDuel. It did not work. They were sober plays apparently, and we ate way too much chalk. My chalkitis flared up, and I'm ready to mix in a little galaxy brain with Eric over here on DraftKings. Eric, do you play uh, in a spy at DraftKings? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, so what um, when you go to uh, to start making your spy lineup, you said you normally make, say, three uh, tournament lineups. Are you just putting in one of your tournament, like, say, your three max teams, or are you then tweaking one of those even more so for the spy? Yeah, so I would say I have, like, one a slightly more main tournament team that would, like, that my three uh, teams will go in, like, all the three max stuff and <clears throat> some some other other contests. But then in, like, single entry stuff, I'll have kind of that one main main team that goes into, like, the spy and, and those kind of things. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I have done um, a little three max stuff myself, and I uh, I found myself kind of tweaking one of my three max teams a little bit. But I'm I'm starting to think that just having conviction on whichever one of those I like the best to play in this as well. So, as our guest, I want you to be able to give your Eric. Uh, for stamp on this lineup. So you can open up with uh, a correlation play you like, a stack you like, however you want to point this lineup. And the goal of this is it to do what we do on the Swolecast, which is really throw a bunch of shit against the wall. <laughs> we are going to try to correlate this, really build this in mind as if both of us were building this uh, together. So uh, it's all you. All right. So... I talked a lot about, you know, the Saints Bucks game is not certainly not like off the board, you know, off the wall. I think people are going to be interested in it, but piece in there to start. And then you can, you can go after that. Uh, it's Traquan Smith. Oh, yes. So, you know, yes. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I like I'm to so get ex- a little galaxy. I like to get galaxy brain too. Trust me. Uh, Dude, this we was only gonna... talked about it last week. I'll let, I'll, Dude, I am so excited. I was going to talk about him on the Swolecast. I was so excited. I'm going to go over to my my spreadsheet player pool here. You'll see him bolded down here. Second in routes run last week. He played 83% of the snaps. No one is talking about him. This is what we're back, baby. Galaxy Brain is back. Make your case for Traquan Smith because I am fired up. All right. So I also, so two things, the, all the like data from last week is absolutely amazing. He came back from injury. He played nearly every snap. Uh, Ted Ginn is awful and old and dropped two balls. And Traquan is young and actually good. Um, I, I think they want him. They talked about before the year that they wanted him to kind of take a step. And I think they want him to be the number two there. So he, he has just as good of a matchup as Michael Thomas. Um, he's 3,800. Michael Thomas is 9,900. He's not going to get anywhere near the volume that Michael Thomas is obviously, but in the, you know, arguably the best game on the slate, a really talented $3,800 guy that allows you to fit a bunch of other good, good plays who can, you know, Traquan can score a 70 yard touchdown. Um, that's the kind of guy I want to be way, 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 you know, over on, if not locking in my three, three lineups, because it doesn't take a lot for him to pay off. And the upside is, is, massive yeah and there were there were inklings you know a lot of the guys that look at prospect profile shout out to uh sean siegel at rotoviz who looks at these second year breakout guys and traquan smith profiled coming into this season as a Cortland sutton type guy all of his previous metrics the situation pointed to a uh, a breakout and now we're getting him under the radar like you said in this nut matchup i Oh, I love the call, Eric. I could just come over there and kiss you. Um, but the big question <laughs> is, when we play Traquan Smith, do you play him with Michael Thomas, or is he a leverage play and a massive salary saver off of Michael Thomas? Yeah, I think, and this is a huge decision for me this week too, I think that there's two ways that you go. If you're, Let's assume we're stacking this, this game. That's probably where this is going to end up with this team. If you're stacking this game, and these are the kind of things I think that you have to think about, is do you do you leverage off of Michael Thomas with Traquan, Jared Cook, 
Kamara even, you know, Kamara's, it's a terrible running matchup, but that I'm not sure that that matters for him. Um, do you leverage off of, of Thomas with those other guys, or do you include the super cheap Traquan Smith to get Michael Thomas? And I think, yeah. um, I think both are extremely viable. I, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong, wrong answer. Uh, it's kind of personal, personal preference and whether you feel if you have to feel a little bit more comfortable with the cheaper running backs, probably to, right. to go the Michael Thomas route. But if you want to play CMC or Dalvin or Zeke or, or Fournette, you know, you can then play them while also getting leverage off of Michael Thomas, which is typically where I lean um, yep. like a 10,000. I love Michael Thomas. He's awesome. Yeah. Right. He's, he's, it, it, it feels like uncomfortable. You always like, I go out of my way to like kind of take stands on guys like that. And then they score 30 or 35 points and people are like, Oh, you're an idiot. You know how you said to fade Michael Thomas. I'm like, yeah, but he scored 30 points and he's 10 K. Is that really like that damning to my lineup? Not, not, not really. So that's kind of how I try to think about it is like, you can't be afraid to fade guys who you know are going to do well, as weird as that sounds. Like, yeah. I know Michael Thomas is going to do well, but everybody knows Michael Thomas is going to do well. But how, if he scores 50, I'm dead. But if he yeah. scores 30, do I really do I really care that much? Right. And I'm also at the point in the season where I have been called an idiot for so many different reasons <laughs> that I can now do literally whatever I want. And being called an sure. idiot is just all the same to me. So uh, that feels good. I do kind of like your line of thinking here of maybe using this potentially. um, To me, obviously, if we play Michael Thomas with Traquan, we're playing Drew Brees. Like, that's a must. I kind of want to maybe go in a different direction here. Why don't we we get the – I'll pander to the guests. Why don't we get a Winston Godwin going here? on this other side and we can go from there and decide how, as Stan said, how fat we want to stack this game. If we're being honest, if I was on and we started building a team and it didn't have Chris Godwin, like what the hell are we even doing here? Yeah, I was, uh, I thought for a second about trolling you with uh, the Evans play, but come on, (laughs) I'm I'm too nice. I'm too nice. If I would have logged off, if you would have put Evans in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that would uh, the the dogs would have uh, magically have needed uh, some attendance again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, exactly. So now we have uh, we have Winston to Godwin. We got Traquan coming back. We're in pretty good shape salary wise. Where are you going here? Are you, do you want to zig and get us some of the the mega chalk in, or do you want to keep uh, loading up on this game? Yeah. So where I think I would go next is lock in uh, a running back. And, and I know we spent a lot of time talking about chalk and, and especially David Montgomery, but I think um, in general, I do typically play a little bit chalkier running back plays. I think um, just the, the ownership is like a little more efficient on, on running backs. There are so few workhorses and pricing is typically really, really strong on, on running backs, like really tight on running backs. So when you get the workhorse for cheap, like you said, Jalen Samuels a couple weeks ago, like I, I typically, again, that's also why I focus on kind of like smaller fields and, and, and that kind of thing, because I don't need to take massive stands against by far the best running back play of the week. And that's Brian Hill. Um, I won't be fading him. I don't think anyone should fade him. He's also from my area. So I'm totally biased. Uh, he went to high school right, right near me. Um, he was a monster at Wyoming. I actually think he's good. So all my biases are totally like in this lineup. Like I love Traquan. I love Godwin. I'm s- secretly a Jameis fan. So like we're making my dream team right now. Yeah. And am I the only one now in this industry that doesn't have a personal connection to Brian Hill? I mean, he's on Maddox podcast. He's from oh, your yeah. area. I mean, I feel like I need to uh, to bump into him in the airport or something just so I have a Brian Hill anecdote with the rest of you guys. Tweet at him from the man's account. I'm sure he'll like follow up right away. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I, I would never, I personally don't have the, uh, the credentials to get into that account, but I will, <laughs> I will pass that along. Okay. Yeah. So I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Brian Hill to me feels like good chalk this week. I am going to, um, maybe do like a little mini correlation here with Brian Hill. I do like the Carolina passing side a lot. I still don't have a strong take on who I prefer, Samuel or more, but I really like Greg Olson this week. And because tight end is kind of gross 
Um, I like his price Awful. point. I believe he had nine targets last week. Um, and then again, this matchup just sets up really well. And as far as kind of like a one-off or a mini correlation, how do you feel about uh, Greg Olson in this lineup? I, re- I really like it. I think uh, that's another way to like get e- like really easily get leverage on the field and minimize like the, the amount of times you need to be right. Right. Like everybody's going to play Brian Hill, but, and, and people are going to play CMC or, or Carolina guys, but like not enough. And if you're assuming Brian Hill is going to do well, it, it, Brian Hill's going to do well in one of two ways. He's smashing on the ground and, and scoring touchdowns and the Falcons are winning or the, the Carolina scores a ton and Brian Hill's catching a bunch of checkdowns. Like either way is good for Brian Hill, but the, on the opposite side, either way is also really good for Carolina. Um, and tight, like you said, tight end is, I don't, I don't think I like a tight end. <laughs> I don't I, think I like a tight end. I so know I was Olsen's, Olsen's at the top of the list, near the top of the list. I mean, like Andrews is so expensive. Kittle's not going to play yeah. Ertz in a really bad matchup. I mean, I think Waller just kind of pure like upside points per dollar would probably be my second guy, but even he is like hard to fit in. So I find myself gravitating to Olsen. I guess like the other thing, if you are stacking this game, I think you could, you could go to Jared cook as well. Right. That other game. Right. Right. So that's when, that's when I think it's important to focus more on like, especially at these weak positions or maybe you're like in a, in a crunch with, you need a, a cheaper guy to focus more on the correlation aspect as opposed to necessarily the best play. Like it's not that Olsen isn't the best play, but um, you know, tight ends horrible. Everybody's going to have plays that they don't really feel comfortable with. So you should give yourself a leg up by correlating in with someone else in your lineup, just like, just like you did. Um, so also I would rather side with, okay, toss Jared Cook in or play Greg Olson to bounce him off of, of uh, Brian Hill. Yeah. All right. So we got, we got a little uh, correlation here with Hill and Olson. Hill will be chalky. Olson, hopefully not um, mega chalky. You, uh, this feels like a, a decision point with this lineup. You have some, some salary to work with. <laughs> Which direction are you going here? This is, this is when things start to get dicey. I've tried to start, building teams this week and I get to like this exact point of these teams and it's you know because it's do I go to Thomas or do I go to CMC or an expensive running back or do I go you know punt running back it it, this is I think like the biggest decision point for me this week um so I'm gonna like totally uh punt this back to you and I am gonna play Mike Evans okay wow okay Put put that decision point on you Godwin, We're Godwin and, and Evans. Yep. Wow. So this is actually, I mean, can we just process what's going on here? You just told me earlier you were going to log out and walk away if I troll pick <laughs> Mike Evans. Little did I know, 10 minutes later, you would be putting him in the lineup yourself. What is going on? I told you I liked both of them this week. It's the first It's the first time ever. So it, this is a fact of what's going to happen. Chris Godwin is going to go off. He's going to have 200 yards and three touchdowns. But I'm going to have all these double stacks, and Mike Evans is not going to catch a ball. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a fact because it'll be the first time I played Mike Evans this year. So, but your, your working theory then is because Godwin is going to eat for two, you can just play both and still get your, you know, your points per dollar spread across both of them? I don't really want to think about it that way because I still, I still, I still, uh, all like just all around misery of having Mike Evans in, in my lineup is, is going to tilt me on Sunday for sure. Um, but I just know Godwin is going to smash and, uh, uh, the game is just going to, going to blow up. I don't see how it, how it doesn't blow up. So I'm just going to like close, like plug my nose and click on Evans. Okay. So if we're doing this, if we have Winston and we have Godwin and we have Evans all popping off, we are going to need another saint and yep. we cannot afford Michael Thomas in this lineup. But I bet if we try hard, we can afford one Mr. Alvin Kamara. Uh, I feel like that's the direction this lineup has to go. Do you agree? I agree. So, you know, people want to uh, worry about the Bucks' run defense. They've been one of those obvious uh, funnels this year. But Alvin Kamara, we don't really care about him running between the tackles. We want him out in space, catching balls, and hopefully returning to form where we see him snap off a couple of these big plays, which it seems like forever we've seen that from him. 
Yeah, he's really interesting this week because, uh, like you said, he, he hasn't. I mean, frankly, he hasn't done anything in quite a while. He was hurt, and then he even before that, and and now last week. Last week was like the spot he should have just went and hit, just totally smashed. And I, you had him in your your Fanduel lineup last week, right? Yeah, Kamara. Yeah, four. Yeah, four carries for twenty four. Pretty nice ownership there at thirteen percent. I mean, he did have those eight mm-hmm. receptions, which don't rack up quite as quickly on um, on Fanduel. But I still liked it as a, a little leverage. But like you said, we're gonna look like idiots when we fade Michael Thomas. But like you said, how much? How many percentage of the time does that you know? production switch where Alvin Kamara is the one in the cat bird seat. So I, I don't really have regrets about that play. Yeah. And I think the, the thing is that it's so dependent on touchdowns, like especially for Michael Thomas at $10,000, he, he could have an awesome game. He could catch 12 balls for 150 yards, which sucks if you faded him. But if Kamara and Traquan score the touchdowns, it doesn't like you're golden. You don't, you don't necessarily want them. And then, you know, on the other side, the Bucks are going to have to be throwing if those guys are, are smashing. And so hopefully Evans can actually get his too. Yeah. So I don't want you to get stuck. I want, let's collectively brainstorm defense and then I'll let you fill out our last slot with what salary we have remaining. I think defense is also like similarly to tight end. It's kind of gross this week as far as um, I'm not seeing a lot of kind of good, just value plays. Like normally I feel like, we're in the two eight two nine range. Obviously, we're not playing the Saints defense in this lineup. Um, mm-hmm. Where are, where are your thoughts at? Both in general, as far as like just punting defense. Last week, I played the Browns. Everyone was on them. They flopped. Um, the Lions are kind of a decent punt candidate this week on DraftKings at eighteen hundred. How do you go about approaching defense in tournaments? Yeah, it's I, I try to be different at defense. Um, sometimes it's hard. I, like an idiot, played the Browns and the Bears last week, too, and that was terrible. Um, but I, I, I try to be different at defense just because, you know, there's so much volatility in, in defense scoring. It's basically all touchdowns. So um, I really try to galaxy brain the shit out of defense. Um, so I have one for you this week. I don't know if it fits, like, our uh, like kind of salary that we have left, mm-hmm. but um, there's a $1,500 defense this week god eric this big old beautiful galaxy brain of yours that has to be tilting the viewers and yet i'm i'm soaking it in yes make the case i like it all right so the arizona cardinals are 1500 they're playing the 49ers the 49ers are missing like everyone on offense kittles hurt uh Breida's hurt manny sanders is hurt joe staley got hurt again their left tackle got hurt again last week um jimmy g is like a meh guy to me like kyle shanahan and their weapons make him in my opinion he's whatever average quarterback the cardinals have been horrible they're missing patrick peterson for the first six games but i actually think that their defense is not that bad um patrick peterson looked terrible when he first came back but i still believe that he's patrick peterson um they have another good corner byron murphy that their secondary is really not that bad, despite the fact that they just keep, you know, keep getting slaughtered. And they have Chandler Jones is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL against an offensive line that that's dinged up. And they're fifteen hundred. Like I think if you like if you remove the Cardinals and like remove then you if you weren't able to click on game logs, I, I wonder about this all the time. If, if people weren't able to click Cardinals and look at the game logs, like would they play? Would they play that team against this 49ers team? And I think so, but nobody is going to play them. No. Yeah. And you're wearing the sharp side shirt. I mean, talk about the bet of the week. I mean, I I got it at 11. We're seeing the number here at 11 and a half. I mean, getting 11 and a half points versus a division opponent that is that banged up is absurd. It's absurd number, even if everyone was healthy, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I love it. Yeah. And that actually leaves us with a decent amount of cheddar to round out this lineup at 7,400. Um there's some interesting names. There's our old friend Josh Jacobs we were discussing as a trap. Oh you mentioned liking to get three running backs in there, or do you have more of a of a galaxy brain way to round out this lineup? Because there's definitely um, some decent options. This is a good – so what 
All right. So can I recommend a 2v2? Yeah. So if I were to play this lineup, what I think I would do is swap Olsen for for Jared Cook. Mm. And then take out Kamara. Or, oh, no, damn it. I did the math wrong. The galaxy brain, it got me. I was, I got too excited. I thought I, I thought we could get up to four net off of, I thought we could get up to four net. So anyway, that, that, that's how I would like try to start tinkering from there. When we have mm-hmm. that last spot or whatever, see how I can, um, well, yeah, here we go. So you can take out, if you play Olsen. So yeah, you I could- don't know if you want to just, oh God, Dwelly, the flow chart. The dwelly maker is what I call him. Um, yeah, the dwelly maker. Um, I know because mm. then you're just you're also just a couple hundred off uh, Howard. Although I don't think I mean you'd have to really have a big beautiful galaxy brain to play three bucks, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, and I yes. Uh, I feel like I have a massive galaxy brain, but even I can't stomach that one. Yeah. So, but like, but I think the point you're kind of making here is that you are willing to make, if you're going to make some sacrifices, you're willing to do it at tight end and defense and you're willing to do it um, in order to get up to a guy. Basically what you're kind of saying is you're seeing a tear break right now at that 7,400 range Mm -hmm. versus getting up to, I'm going to guess for net is kind of like the last of the, the bell cow running backs you would feel comfortable in. Right. And I don't think this lineup is super chalky, but you know, let's Brian toss Hill, on the premium yeah. filters here. Yeah, yeah, let's see. So Brian Hill, it, that that that's pretty low owned, actually. Jeez, Jane misses two percent. That's exciting. Wow. Um, so I don't think this is too bad. So I think you could play someone like like Jacobs in this in this lineup. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just skittish on kind of like we talked about with the Montgomery thing with Jacobs. Um, but he, yeah. I do think he's a, he's a fine play. Yeah, like you said, um, that's kind of pr- like where we pulled up ownership right now is probably when you can afford to look at it. Of like, all right, let's let's get a gauge of how this thing's sitting. We don't have anything other Brian Hill over you know fourteen percent. Um, we can eat at twenty percent Josh Jacobs if we so choose. The other nice thing about that play, right. Eric, is we have some optionality with him going in the four p.m. slate. So there could be some pivots um, we could make, and then we'd also be able to, you know, say if you went down from him to, I don't know, a Tyler Boyd, or you went, what is uh, what is Edelman? Would you be able to play him? You know, someone like that. Um, actually, there's not enough money for him, just off by a couple hundred. But I guess the point is, by playing a 4 p.m. guy, depending on how this lineup, obviously, if this lineup crushes, and our game blows up, we can let it ride with Jacobs. If we're behind, then we probably want right. to pivot off yep. of that, despite people telling me never to pivot, just to play the best plays. Um, <laughs> so we will leave a little ambiguity with this lineup and the directions we would personally uh, go if we uh, had the gun to our head before lock. But uh, I think this was instructive for how to think about a game stack. I haven't we haven't had too many of those quintessential like blow up games this year. You know, there was that, mm-hmm. what was it? Was it the Seahawks one a few weeks ago? Yeah. Seahawks yeah. bucks. Yeah. Um, it's so, always the bucks. It's always the bucks. It's always the bucks. The bucks and the Rams blew up. The bucks and the Seahawks blew up. It's always, it's always the bucks. Yep. So um, uh, thank you guys to everyone in the chat today. Huge thank you to Eric Beimfor for bringing some sobriety and level-headed analysis <laughs> to this show. And uh, a few housekeeping things again. Don't forget about the free roll, guys. Lineup HQ, that was this tab here. If you're wondering about all these projections, the ownership percentages, being able to build your build groups, locking in, excluding guys, making 150 lineups on the fly. This is that tool. It's going to be free this weekend. And then you can MME that $2,500 free wall on Yahoo. Get in the mix there. And then as far as the bankroll challenge, guys, I am heading to Mexico. I have pre-regged for the spy. I will be, I need to find a way to get sober on Sunday morning 
And I am going to pull it together this week, guys. I am going to pull it together. We have to book a win, Eric, right? We have to. Eric, please tell me that you agree. It's, it's happening. <laughs> it's yeah. happening. Hey, this is first round of King of the Beach, too. Oh, okay. That's right. It's, it's, it's happening. Well, I am going to be king. It's a, lo- it's a lock. I'll I will pay I'll pay for your entry if you if you if you don't win this week. <laughs> See, this is we haven't even had to cross that bridge yet. I have some ideas of how I'm going to raise money. Uh, I've been looking in those couch cushions for hundred dollar bills. They are not there, but we will. We don't even need to worry about that, though. I appreciate the offer because we are booking a win. Um, the bankroll challenge review video might be a little late this week because I am going to that game in Mexico City on Monday night. But again, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Thank you to Eric. And we will see you guys next week.